Welcome to Whole Minds, Healthy Bodies, the podcast, a 360 health initiative from Aetna exclusively for you, the MTA, where the goal is improving your total health and well-being. It's Women's History Month, and in honor of that, today's episode is all about women's health, dispelling myths by addressing facts and learning how the women of the MTA community can address risk factors and lead happier and healthier lives. And while we may use gender-specific language in today's episode, it is not intended to exclude or marginalize any gender identity. And to help us separate fact from fiction when it comes to women's health, I'm joined by Dr. Donna Thomas, whose doctoral research identified factors that influence health promotion behaviors in African-American women. Hence, with this information, culturally appropriate interventions to promote good health and lower the risk of chronic disease. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. Thank you for having me. And you all can't see it, but Donna is wearing these bright, beautiful greens, which is really just brightening up the conversation today. <laughs> and we're also joined by Diane Poyblank, who has been actively working in the health and wellness industry for over 25 years. For 10 of those years, she was general manager of a large multi-sport health club. And on top of all that, she was an associate professor at Barnard College, as well as a continuing education provider for the American Council on Exercise. Welcome to the program, Diane. Kai, thank you so much for having me. And yes, Donna, you look so bright and beautiful. <laughs> nice. <laughs> thank all right. you all. I appreciate it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Diane, we wanted to start the podcast off with the leading causes of death for women because I know, at least for me, they came as a bit of a surprise. So, what are the leading causes of death for women? Well, Kai, let me tell you, the leading causes of death can really vary an awful lot depending on a bunch of different factors like age or geographical location and and socioeconomic status. But as a general rule, in America, the leading cause of death for women, the first one, everyone always says, oh, yes, it's breast cancer. Right, right. That'd be my thought. Exactly. Cardiovascular disease. Okay. Cardiovascular disease, okay, which is um, stroke and any kind of cardiovascular disease, okay? The second cause is cancers, plural. The number one cancer that causes women's death in North America is lung cancer, Mm. followed by breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and colorectal cancer. And then next comes respiratory diseases, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, pneumonia, those kinds of things. And then Alzheimer's. Mm, Alzheimer's is the fourth. So those are, yeah, I know it is kind of surprising, right? It right. doesn't, it's, it, it's not what you would normally think about. Typically people think cancer, but heart disease is really there. And typically, like you said, Diane, it's a stroke or even having a heart attack. Right. But even having an enlarged heart falls under that same umbrella of cardiovascular disease. So we should always remember that. Yes. And and that's a perfect segue into, you know, Donna, I wanted to ask you, knowing that heart disease or cardiovascular disease is one of the leading causes of death in women, how can women better manage uh, these risk factors? Because I I believe it's there's controllable risk factors and there's uncontrollable risk factors. So can you help break those down for us? Yes, absolutely. So there are factors that we're in control over. We're going to call those lifestyle factors. But there's factors that we're not in control of, right? We might not even think about it, but our DNA, our genetics, our family history, we're not in charge of that. But we are in charge of what we put into our body and what we do to our body, right? So we're in, we're in control of our 
on life factors. So knowing your numbers, when we say knowing your numbers, working in partnership with your healthcare provider, knowing what your blood pressure is, knowing your cholesterol levels, uh, your glucose, going for a, a fasting blood glucose baseline and then working from there and just, you know, asking questions as necessary, but also eating healthy foods. What are you doing to fuel your body? Just like we put fuel into a car, what are we doing to fuel our body to make sure that we have enough strength and energy to get through the day? So those are controllable factors. Maintaining a healthy weight. Once again, we want to talk to our healthcare provider about what's healthy for us. Physical activity, movement. One fun fact about me is that I'm also a fitness trainer. So I believe in not just telling people what to do, but making sure that we go out there and do something every day on most days. So even if it's walking, jogging, um, dancing like no one's watching, going to a club or just having a basic walk outside is good. But just um, taking breaks, getting up, you know, if we're doing a lot of sitting during the day, getting some stretching, going outside, walking about around the building and just, you know, breathing is so mm -hmm. important for us, doing yoga and Pilates. Also stress management, who can relate to that, <laughs> right? Uh, As humans, right we here, know yeah. that we're under stress. But it's what we do when we're under stress. What do we do in terms of healthy coping mechanisms, such as deep breathing exercises, reaching out for help? You mm -hmm. know, this is why we're doing these things, just to raise awareness and in terms of what we may be going through. So these are all controllable factors, having a set routine, making sure that we're going to sleep, you know, and getting enough rest, our routine screenings based on our own personal history and also our family history. So those are all controllable factors that we, we can manage on a daily basis. So with those controllables, like, one that comes to mind is former smoker over here, and I had to quit, and it was hard. I just wanted to add with smoking, typically people think about cigarettes, but it's not just cigarettes alone. We want to also extend that to cigars and mm. vaping, because sure. when vaping first came out, it was marketed as if it was going to be safer. But the bottom line, it has the same carcinogenic uh, properties as it. So we should also include vaping or even chewing tobacco. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I just heard today um, on the news was there's been a, um, a lot of studies that have been done on um, marijuana use. Mm. And whether it's vaping, whether it's smoking, or even they were talking about edibles also and the fact mm. that that they're all carcinogens and they are going to affect your life, your health. And that is absolutely controllable risk factor. Right. And the other one is alcohol. Right. Alcohol consumption. It's suggested that if you drink, that you drink moderately and moderately is for women, one drink a day for men, two drinks a day. A drink is one 12-ounce bottle of beer, one five-ounce glass of wine. Yes. Did everyone hear what Diane said? <laughs> five ounces, not a whole yeah, not, glass, not, yeah. not eight ounces. Right. That's not true. a bottle. <laughs> not a bottle. It's a bottle right. of beer, not that's a bottle right. of wine. Uh -huh. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, or, or one and a half ounces of hard liquor. You know, yeah. and that's one. And you don't get to just say, oh, well, I didn't drink on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on Saturday, I get to have six. 
Right. No, doesn't work like that. We're not playing catch up. And as a former bartender, you know, you can buy yourself some like really fancy measuring tools to kind of help you with those measurements for yourself at home. So you can make it fun. But huge kudos to bars that are now offering a lot of of very, very interesting non-alcoholic Oh, drinks. the non-alcoholic mocktails. game is amazing mocktails. right now. The Beers. mocktails, yeah. that's right, yeah. mocktails. Where you could still hold the glass and have bubbly in there, but there's Absolutely. no alcohol, it still tastes good, right. and you're still socially involved with other people. So there's great ways to do that. Absolutely. So we talked about controllable risk factors uh, when it comes to like cardiovascular diseases. What are some of those uncontrollable factors? Would that be like like family history? Is that what we're talking about? Right. Your family history. So if you have a family history of depression or mental health, you know, uh, but it, what's important is to speak to your healthcare provider and just find out, well, I do have these risk factors. What can I do about them to be able to manage it in an everyday life? So we don't want to ignore them. We want to acknowledge them because it's a part of the equation when they're putting together our protocols. And can I just throw one one thing in there? And that's why it's so, so important to um, have a written family history, a family medical history. Mm -hmm. And there are great resources. The, The CDC has one online that you can fill out. I mean, it takes a long time because it goes back as far as you can possibly think, you know, but they, they store it for you. Um, there's a lot of other, of other, um, apps that you can use, but it's so important to know your family history. So many diseases and cancers are hereditary. So I would say the next time we have the opportunity, whether it's at the family barbecue or the dinner, just sit down and just say, you know, what's going on? Do we have heart disease? Is there cancer that's going on? Just to be well aware, because we know when we have that point of entry at the encounter with our our providers, that they ask those questions and we may not know, but it's important to know your your family history. Perfect. Perfect. And when it comes to family history, Diane, um, what what are kind of some of those myths associated with breast cancer? Like you've already dispelled the fact that, you know, it, it's not the leading cause of cancer for women. Um, but yeah, can you help break that down for us? Okay, because breast cancer is a scary thing for women to think about. Mm-hmm. It, it just is, okay? It's, and it's a very, very complex topic. And there are a lot of myths and misconceptions about them. So number one is, oh, only women get breast cancer. No, I did not it know is that. rare. It is huh. rare in men. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, the standard is um, one in one in eight women will develop breast cancer over the uh, course of a 70 or 80 year life, lifespan, right? One in a thousand men will develop breast cancer, but it's treated in the exact same way. Wow. It's exactly the same. Okay. Can I just add, because uh, there is a famous person by the name of Richard Roundtree, you know, Shaft, he just died and uh, he actually had breast cancer. So it's, you know, when we are to check our breast, if men feel a lump, go in and, and have it checked. Cause like Diane said, it can get it too. So check your partners. Wow. <laughs> men tend to say, ah, that's nothing. You know, just, just a little bit of fat here. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Get it checked. It. Get it checked. And then and then another really big myth is, oh, I'm young. I'm not going to get breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Only older women get breast cancer. As we age, our risk does increase. It is not simply an older woman's disease at all. And then, the, and then another um, myth is, if you find a lump, it's going to be cancerous. Okay. No, 
There are so many lumps that are simply benign, mm-hmm. but that's why you have to have your annual checkups. Got it. You know, you Got may it. find something, your doctor may find something. It's just so, so it's important. And then um, the other one is, oh, oh it's, it's hereditary. I have no, I have no family history of breast cancer. I'm not going to get it. No, that is actually really not true. Only 5 to 10% of breast cancer diagnoses have a family history. Wow. Yeah, which is kind of, it's a big that's a, statistic That's a pretty powerful there, statistic, right? yeah. And then the other one is um, all the things, <laughs> I love these ones, antiperspirants, underwire bras, cell phones. They're all things that are going to give me breast cancer. Probably not. <laughs> Okay. Probably not. They have said there is a very, very slight, slight possibility that if you carry your cell phone in your bra, it might. It might. But that's just that's speculative mainly. Um, and then and then the other one is that breast cancer always causes pain. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It can be a little bit difficult to um, to find and 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 to diagnose. And a lot of breast cancer is diagnosed when nobody has any any pain at all. And then the final one I'm going to talk about is um, oh, I have small breasts. I'm 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 not at risk, right? Only women with large breasts are at risk. No, that is absolutely wrong. The risk of breast cancer is actually influenced by like a whole bunch of different various factors, variables, like age, genetic, your hormones, lifestyle factors, but breast size is absolutely not one of them. Got it. And so thank you for all that. And what was consistent I'm hearing throughout this episode is the importance of screenings. So Donna, can you talk to us about the importance of that? And I guess the why, because I know in, in, in certain communities, there could be a stigma associated with with getting to your healthcare professional. So just like, let's just double down on the importance of screenings. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that is an excellent uh, segue to the importance of preventative health screenings because like Diane was saying in terms of uh, breast cancer or any type of cancer or any type of heart disease, it's important to know ahead of time, right? I have a family history of breast cancer. It's important to talk to your healthcare provider about your risk, like we were talking about family history, but it is important for us to go for our regular screenings because it's important for detecting ahead of time so you could do something about it, diagnosing it, and then also treating a number of conditions or health conditions that are out there. So the earlier you know, the better. I mean, I know some people who are afraid to find out, but it's better to find out sooner rather than later because they can do something about it. So please, I implore everyone that's listening to make sure you go for your early screenings. Because someone who has a history of breast and colon cancer, I have gone for my colonoscopies. I have gone for my breast cancer screenings. And it is really, really important to to know. And same mm-hmm. thing with my family, my cousins, my aunt. We all help each other. Yeah. So yes, early screening, detection, diagnosing, and uh, early treatment of conditions. And I love how that you're, you're an advocate in your family, right? I loved how you were talking about like, you know, like tell your cousins, you know, to, you know, get, get everybody out there 
aware aware about all that. There was a time when my sister and I used to go for our uh, mammograms together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then our schedules changed, but it was a good way to ensure sure. that we got there. So I would say partnership up with your family, your friends, and get them to go follow up. When we talked about health history, call up your, your uncle and say, did you go? Did you get your prostate? check? Mm-hmm. Did you go for heart disease that's going on? Have the conversation. Let's normalize yeah, it. Yeah, make it make it a game. Make it fun. <laughs> make it a conversation. So I, it is Women's History Month, and I think it is important to acknowledge that there is a bias um, in, in the healthcare profession setting uh, when it comes to women feeling heard. So um, Diane, uh, would you mind just mm-hmm. kind of helping our listeners or giving some tips on how to be better advocates for themselves when they are in the screening room? You know, you're so, that's, that's so true. You have to advocate for yourself. Okay. There's this, um, this concept, this, this thing that's been happening recently, uh, which is called medical gaslighting. And it tends to, um, happen to women. Women tend to have their symptoms, their, um, their concerns, their worries discounted. Discom- uh, they they dismissed, uh, ignored, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, ignored, ignored, and just not and taken so, seriously. And, and yeah, not taken. And you know, very often when uh, when a when a woman comes in with a with some kind of of a complaint, um, it's oh, she's just she's just stressed out. Oh, it's in her head. Or mm-hmm. it's it's all in her head. That's right. That's right. And so it's so important to advocate for yourself. Do not hesitate to ask questions. To seek clarification. If you don't know what they're talking about, the words I use are, um, can you say those in, in, in little words for me so I can understand? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't get the big words that you're saying, okay? Um, and you have to express your concerns and take it just a, an active role in, in your in your decision making. Mm-hmm. So if, they, if something does come up and they say, well, this is what we're going to do. Um, say, well, what alternatives yeah. are there? Right. Any alternatives? Can can I do something else? And then also to to speak with friends, with family, and see what they do. See how they are are handling this kind of thing. Connect with with women who have other similar uh, health concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it has been shown that female patients. And I have to add, people of color are more likely to have their symptoms dismissed by medical providers. And what the experts say to do is keep asking questions. Keep asking questions. Advocate for yourself. If you don't like the answer, you know, just keep plotting at it or find a provider that will assist you, right? And black exactly. black women are more likely, or different, just people of color and different ethnic groups will die more likely from cardiovascular diseases and cancers because of that same reason, because they're not taken as seriously, or maybe they don't know to advocate, or some people feel like, well, I don't want to buck the authority. They know what they're talking about. But no, you are absolutely yeah. in control of your own personal destiny and your life. So it's it's fine to ask questions. So advocate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Advocate, exactly. advocate, advocate, advocate for yourself. And thank you, yes. you guys so much for, for that message on, on how to be better advocates for yourselves. And we're, we're going to wrap it up here. So we're going to do a quick fire on 
the holistic approach, right? Because that's what 360 health is. So we've talked a lot about our physical health, but we gotta we gotta talk about our mental health too. So Donna, you know, what are what are your a few of your favorite um, mental health tips to kind of help alleviate stress? to manage burnout, you know, all those kinds of things that the MTA community deals with on a daily basis. Okay. Well, first of all, I would say it has a lot to do with just kind of checking in with yourself and see how you're feeling because we're so uh, geared to our, like you say, family and, and just doing our schedules that we may not take time to even realize, well, how am I feeling? Am I, you know, irritable? Am I, you know, what, what is it that I need? So just even if you're working, just take a couple of deep breaths, take a moment, take a break, go outside. This is so important for our mental health. Uh Maybe it's about listening to music, putting, you know, earbuds on or just relaxing or, or humming or just doing some type of physical activity because the endorphins are released. And those are things that make you, you know, feel good. So tapping into joy, things that bring us happiness every day. Tapping into joy. I love it. How about you, Diane? I'm just going to throw one thing in with that. Um, What I always advocate and what I do is before I do anything in the morning, turn on my computer, do anything at all, put on some great music, Mm -hmm. music that you love. If you're living in a a situation where you can't um, play it very loudly, put on your headphones, okay? And dance. (laughs) Five minutes. I love it. Dance for five minutes. If you have children, grab your children. If you have a dog, dance with your dog. Grab your teddy bear. Do something. Go to your bathroom and do it all by yourself. Dance for five minutes. What that does is that releases those endorphins that Donna was talking about. Okay, it gets the blood flowing. So you're actually getting more blood to your brain. And you're actually going to be able to think better at that point. And listening to the music that you love is another, I'm going to put the word joy in here, joyful thing to do. We love it. Love it. We love it. That's the way to start your day. Awesome. Tap into joy. Well, thanks to you both. And that wraps it up. Thank you for listening to Whole Minds Healthy Bodies, the podcast, a 360 health initiative from Aetna, exclusively for you, the MTA, where the goal is improving your total health and well-being. Don't forget you can visit wholeandhealthy.website for free access to incredible content created by experts just like Diane Donna, podcasts, webinars, and reading materials on topics like sleep, inner peace, nutrition, and meditation exclusively for you, the MTA. And thank you to you, Diane, for being here today. Oh, Kai, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And Donna, it's been my pleasure to present this with you. Absolutely. Thank you. All righty. Until next time, everyone, take care. Take care.